Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening into the Mission Driven Podcast. I'm here today with Michael Ham. He's a sales executive at Fidelity National Title Group. He's a host of the Morning Spotlight and an amateur pitmaster and barbecue enthusiast. Thank you, Michael, for being here with us today and gracing us with your presence. <laughs> I appreciate that. That was a good intro. And it feels good to be a guest on a podcast rather than having to actually like drive the show. So basically I'm just going to like sit back and let you do all the hard work and I'm just going to sit here and, and just chat. That's fine. This is, this is what it should be. It should be a chat. Right. Um, and I will also say thank you for having me on your podcasts. Of course. The Morning Spotlight. Twice. Um, three times. Three times. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The LinkedIn yeah. videos and then the la- marketing and networking. You know? Yeah. I have my punch card. So I, when I hit the fifth time, I, I get a free bottle of wine, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't know I was giving those out. It must be my, my staff must be giving those, those yeah. away to people. Your PR team. Yeah. My, my PR, PR team. Yeah. Right. Um, awesome. So Mike, your background is in real estate. Well, really it's in baseball and then real estate. Yeah, it's really all over the place for sure. Yeah. But there's a purpose to everything, right? Because you have a yeah. passion for it. Um, so with the real estate market, I know that we started networking with one another in March, mid-March, when, when something significant in the world happened. Um, how do you feel about the real estate market as it is today? Uh, ooh, that's like a big question. So it really depends, I think, on like what it is that you're like talking about. If you're talking about residential real estate markets, I, I think, especially here in New Jersey, here in New Jersey, whether it's commercial or residential, it's just like a very interesting place to be because you're in like a, in between Philadelphia and New York City. Um, Obviously, New Jersey has really high taxes and it's starting to push people out of New Jersey, um, whether it's companies or uh, residents. And it just, it seems to be like the whole COVID pandemic has really, I think, accelerated uh, certain trends that people were starting to see in those markets. You know, so you started seeing people move from Manhattan, Hoboken, Jersey City, further west. You, I mean, you probably even saw people that were in, you know, more western New Jersey. Like I'm in Morristown right now. You know, people Chatham, Madison, out this way, moving even further out. You know, more right. towards Pennsylvania. Um, you know, so it's just, it's, um, it's an interesting environment that we're in right now. And and the way that the residential real estate market kind of exploded over the summer here in New Jersey. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily like a sustainable thing. I think it was just more of a desperation for people to get out of the city and stuff like that. It was reactive. Um, very reactive, you know, yeah. and, and you know, you saw uh, home prices or, pe- you know, people putting in offers on homes, $25,000, $50,000, even more over asking price, waiving inspections, waiving appraisals, you know, because right. it was just, I mean, it was so competitive and the uh, supply was so low. Um, that it really just kind of made people make some interesting decisions. And listen, if you have the kind of money and you and you were desperate and wanted to, you know, move out of New York City or or wherever, um, then good. You know, hopefully you got what you wanted. But I, I think that there, it's it's not necessarily a, a way that we want the market to kind of continue. Um, obviously, it was nice to see some some action over the summer because you know once the pandemic hit, pretty much everything came to a, a screeching halt. Not just in the real estate market, but in everything. Um, so, and then on the commercial end, I mean, New Jersey is always going to have a pretty strong, uh, commercial market. I think, especially on the industrial ends, um, multifamily is always going to be pretty strong here in New Jersey. Retail is going to be what it is. Um, you know, that's something that I think that was another way that we saw certain trends in the retail market start to accelerate even faster because, you know, they, 
it, it, like big box chain just couldn't survive. It, you know, ones that, that lagged behind, um, it really accelerated their death, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, the New Jersey real estate market has just been, this year has been crazy. I mean, for a lot of reasons and it, it interesting to kind of see how it's operating. Um, and I think that hopefully like once, this pandemic kind of goes away. We'll see what happens to we're recording this on election day and it's not going to post till after Thanksgiving. So hopefully by then we have a clear idea of who won this election and we'll yeah. get to start once we get some clarity on, on different things and we start to put some issues and, and uh, confusion to rest. I think that's when we'll start to see a clearer picture of the way that the market's going to move forward into 2021 and beyond. Right. Interesting. So thank you for going to the commercial aspect of it. And for our audience, what do you specialize in? You know, what, what gives you the clout to talk about residential versus commercial or do you specialize in all kinds of real estate? Um, so I sell title insurance. Um, so title insurance is uh, basically just like a, a service on the real estate in residential and commercial real estate. I focus mostly, and when I say focus, I usually market towards uh, commercial real estate attorneys, developers, different people like that. Um, I work for a, the largest direct operation title insurance underwriter in the country. Um, so we do do a lot of big commercial work. Um, with that being said, my, my uh, book of business is probably split 50-50 residential and commercial. Um, and basically what title insurance is, just to give like a quick background, I don't want to bore anybody, but um, basically what it is, it's like a history lesson on your property when you buy it. So any other insurance you'll ever buy in your entire life, car insurance, health insurance, life insurance, you pay a premium monthly, yearly, whatever it is for anything that's going to happen in the future. So title insurance is the only one that you pay a one-time premium at your closing on that property for everything that's happened in the past. So if there's a lien on the property, if, you know, wh whatever it is, um, an easement, uh, uh, different issues, uh, whether it, there's extreme examples of fraud and, and people not actually owning the property and selling it. Um, obviously extreme doesn't happen too often, but you know, you would want to know that if you're buying a property from someone, if right. they actually own it. Um, and so basically from my end, I just see a lot. I mean, I'm networking constantly with attorneys, um, brokers, uh, realtors, mortgage lenders, uh, commercial lenders, really anybody on the, in the real estate uh, field and just getting like a, a pulse and kind of seeing like the way our office operates and, you know, the workflow that we have coming in and, and mine personally and what my clients are doing and sending me and what they're telling me. Um, so I guess that would kind of give me a, a glimpse in what's actually happening in the markets themselves. Right. So I think it's really interesting. You, you work for the largest title group in the country. There are hundreds of others that do something similar to what you do, but you're doing something very different than any other title insurance sales executive that I've ever met. You have a marketing plan for your company. And I think in the middle of March, when everything was happening, um, you really took hold of creating online virtual marketing or networking groups, I should say. Um, but you've also launched this entire podcast series that has thousands of viewers. Um, so what, what was that moment like for you when you go from title insurance, something that's kind of dry, cut and dry, into something like what we can see here for, for people that are watching on YouTube. Um, but Mike has a green screen. He has a microphone with a very nice um, headphone set and he's got a, a nice setup. So what was, what was that transition like? Um, well, first off saying that I have a marketing plan is so flattering because basically what it's been is me just taking stuff, throwing it against the wall and seeing what's stuck. 
Um, so really, I mean, the way title insurance, especially here in New Jersey, so every state handles title insurance differently. Um, but you know, here in New Jersey, New York's very similar. Pennsylvania is very similar. Um, basically all it is, is just relationships and service. So all the rates for title insurance are regulated. Um, so whether it's search rates, premium costs, all that kind of stuff. Um, so basically you just have to have good relationships. So the more people you're able to get yourself out in front of and talk to and develop those relationships, the better chance you have at getting a deal, because it doesn't matter what company you go to, you're going to get charged the exact same price for the exact same product. Um, and basically what my life was pre COVID was, you know, and like I said, like you mentioned before, like I came in, uh, I had coached college baseball for almost five years. I had worked in an indoor sports facility before, right be between co uh, coaching college and starting this job. So I had no background in real estate or anything even remotely close to what I'm doing now. Um, so really like I was starting from zero and, you know, I was, feeling really good because I, you know, once I kind of got myself over the hump of feeling <laughs> nervous when I go into like a big networking event and talking to people and all that kind of stuff. Um, once I kind of got myself past that, you know, initial anxiety of doing that, um, I started to see things happening. And then, you know, uh, once COVID started, like we had, I mean, you were going to come to it. We had a, um, a, a March Madness party planned. It was like March 17th. It was going to be at South Street here in Morristown. Um, we had like a, the downstairs all rented out. We're going to have all the games on the TVs. And we, you know, my friend Brianna Styers and I, we saw kind of like what was going on. We we're like, we don't want to, you know, be the reason why people get sick here. So we canceled it. And then I think the uh, NCAA heard that we canceled our party. So they just canceled the whole tournament. Um, and, uh, but anyway, so that was kind of like a, the initial uh, bell to, to, for me that I was like, okay, something's happening here. And, and I think initially I was like, maybe this will be like a week, two weeks tops. And it'll be like a mini vacation. I'll just lounge on the couch and I'll play video games and watch Netflix and, you know, watch Tiger King within the first, you know, two days of, of, of the quarantine. Um, but then like once, you know, you started to see hospitalization start to increase and, you know, like the stuff that was happening here in New Jersey, it was, it was scary. And, you know, I mean, like, it just, it was uh, a wake up call for real that like, I'm probably not going to be able to go take anybody to lunch anytime soon. I'm probably not gonna be able to go to like a big event anytime soon, because not only do I not want to, um, there's probably just not going to be any, right. and there weren't. So that was kind of like a, the initial push to actually start doing some stuff virtually. Um, and I had rolled around some different ideas with friends of mine, you and a couple other people, and I was like, you know, we need to try to figure out a way where we can mobilize some of the networking groups that I had started pre-COVID. So I had the Next Generation of New Jersey, which is Young Professionals uh, Networking Group, and the real estate events that I would host with Brianna, um, basically like remobilize those groups to start up um, some virtual stuff. So I should use those mailing lists, essentially. And, um, you know, it, it really started to get some, get some legs initially. Um, so the, you know, the events started picking up steam, you know, the first, we like set one up, uh, Dan Grant and I set the first one up, uh, like a Monday, we ran it on a Tuesday. Cause I was just interested to see how it went, got 17 people the first time. And then we went, I think we went like 13 or 14 straight weeks on Tuesdays at five with as many as like 50 people coming to an event, um, you know, anywhere from like 30 to 40 every week, which was impressive that we went, were able to keep it uh, sustained for that long but also super depressing that we had to keep it going for that long. 
Um, and, um, so that was really when I started to kind of like look and see like what was happening on in the virtual landscape of the marketing, you know, of marketing. So I started using LinkedIn like crazy and great job with that, by the way. Thank you. So, but when I, yeah. So when I started doing the LinkedIn stuff, it was, um, like I had always used LinkedIn. I think that was really what started to separate myself from, you know, trying to market to the wrong types of people. And then kind of like when I first started this job and then when I started focusing on LinkedIn because I wanted to focus on attorneys and developers and people that were kind of like in my age range, you know, so I just turned 30. So people that like most of my work comes from attorneys between the ages of 25 and 40. Um, And once I started using LinkedIn, because that's just like the way that we grew up. We grew up with social media stuff. We grew up with cell phones. We grew up with all that kind of stuff. And I started doing marketing stuff on LinkedIn when I first started this job. And that's what started to kind of get myself, get the ball rolling a little bit as far as deal flow and and all that. Um, And then really doubled down throughout the pandemic with LinkedIn. Um, So like my first, you know, foray, I guess, into posting consistently on LinkedIn with the, with the networking groups, you know, I would get a thousand, 2000 views a post just because I was like tagging a bunch of people, um, trying to get people engaged. And I was, so I was getting a lot of traction. Um, and then I needed to figure out a way where I can just get my face, this face for better or worse in front of people, um, more often. Right. So then that's when I started to roll around the idea of, of, you know, making this interview series. So like, you know, it started, you know, you were one of the first guests that we had, I think like you started off the second week of the video series that we did. Um, And I didn't think it was going to go for that long. I I figured like I would run out of people to talk to in like three or four weeks. And some people were telling me like, don't post every day because you're going to run out of people too quick. And I did 60 episodes in 12 weeks because I just, there was no shortage of people that wanted to do it. I mean, it granted it, you know, it became a lot more than, what I could handle on my own because recording right. and scheduling and posting and editing all that. I mean, it, uh, it, it got to be a lot. I mean, as you know, now, because you're doing your own podcast um, and to do that every day was just getting to be a bear. Right. So I, I shifted it into what it is now. And, you know, with the, the, the studio studio um, you know, and the, the mic and, and, and the merch, you know, got to rep the, rep the brand. Um you know, and like that, I just wanted it to be a little bit more in depth, a little bit more conversational, give the people that I have on a chance to talk more and myself a chance to talk more. Um, and I just use it as like a networking tool, you know, so like I've been able to meet some people that I probably would never have met, um, whether they're from different states or, you know, people that are a little higher up in a company that really don't do a lot of networking, but they want a platform that they could talk about their company or what they do. Right. Um, so I've been able to do that. And I've actually gotten work from doing this stuff, Um, you know, actual deals from, you know, these, the show, uh, the LinkedIn series, this show, um, you know, the whole thing. So um, it's really kind of, uh, I didn't think it was going to go this way. I had no inkling as to like how it was going to progress, but it did. And here we are. Now I'm a guest on a show. There you go. So um, I've been writing notes as, as you're talking, because even though you have a real estate background and title insurance, which again, not a super sexy job. No, like um, the least, I think it might be one of the least sexy jobs as you can, you could possibly have. I mean, granted the actual sales end is fun. Like I have a lot of fun going out and, and doing the stuff that I do. The actual subject matter though, you know, and I don't care who you are. I mean, like the subject matter title insurance is not 
the sexiest subject to talk about. Right. But- and that that's fine. But what I'm what I was jotting down is that you were consistent with your plan. Throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what's stuck is essentially doing A-B testing. If this doesn't work, let me try that. And if that's working, let me do more of it. Right. Um, and then it's it's got to be sustainable, right? So when you were doing 60 episodes in, what was it, 12 weeks? Yeah. And you were burning the candle at both ends, even though you were quarantined at home and not going into work and not entertaining clients, you still um, you know, reached the limit on, on what you can do effectively. And I think what I'm seeing, at least on LinkedIn, and, and kudos to you and everything that you're doing, is you're, you're getting your stride. And now that you have your exposure and you're getting one to 2000 views per post, yeah. um, I'm curious to know, do you still see that kind of traction on LinkedIn? Are you still getting um, the same amount of interest and exposure or maybe more now that the algorithm just loves what you're doing consistently? Um, I'm seeing, I'm still seeing a good amount of traction on the uh, posts that I put up now on LinkedIn. Um, but now instead of putting the actual content directly on LinkedIn, I'm putting up marketing videos to help get people away from LinkedIn to the podcast. Right. So like, um, so I'll put like a a one minute clip, like if, you know, when we did our marketing episode, you know, I put up a couple one minute clips to kind of get some eyes and ears. I put the links in the comments because apparently that's a thing. You don't want to put it in the post because LinkedIn is weird. Um, wonder who told you that. Yeah, you. Um, so <laughs> um, my marketing uh, guru here. So basically, I, I'm seeing the same amount of uh, a good amount of of engagement. I'm getting more. I think I'm getting more unique engagements, if that makes sense. Like I'm getting more people that normally wouldn't have looked at it or viewed it or whatever. Right. Like when I was doing the video series, it was like because it was so consistent. I think that's what kind of helped, um, you know, get it get it going. And the LinkedIn videos got anywhere from uh, probably like 500 to a thousand on every single one. And then the reshares would get, you know, double that, like whatever that was for the most part. And, um, you know, those were like scheduled, like every morning at nine o'clock in the morning, I would post one. So it became a thing that people were just like, look forward to and, and watch. And now because, because I just have like so much other stuff going on, like I've the consistency, I still post every day. It's just a matter of like what time I post every day um, and what it is. And, you know, I I think like I'm still seeing good engagement and I'm getting more unique people reaching out to me to say like, you know, Hey, like, could I be a guest? Like, so right now I'm working on probably scheduling out episodes through the end of January. Um, Whereas like, you know, when I was doing the video series, it was like, I would do them like every week I was like constantly trying to get like the next one up there. Um, so like, I think I've kind of built out some credibility now. So people like actually want to like seek me out and come on the show and talk about what they do and talk about a topic, whatever it is. Um, so does that answer your question? It does. But in your, in your podcast, now that you're basically scheduled out through the end of January, who else are you looking to talk to now that you can kind of be a little bit picky? Um, I think like, I just have, uh, I have a lot of fun doing the show itself. Um, so like, like the getting to meet people and talk about some different topics and, and do different things. And, you know, like I had a conversation with somebody from Oklahoma yesterday. Um, I, Friday, I had a, somebody, a conversation with somebody from uh, Oregon, you know, and like, they're going to be guests at some point on the show once we get those, those scheduled and, and posted. Um, but they do some different things. Like, so I'm, I don't know if necessarily, uh, yes, I'm going to be picky, 
but to a certain degree, like, you know, I'm open to having people on because, you know, I don't want to like divulge what my closing segment may be, but I, I think that like being a, being someone that's in a position that has a, a platform to give people a chance to talk about what it is that they do is like a pretty powerful thing. And like, I don't, like, I would never want to take advantage of somebody, you know, and like, you know, say no, or, you know, poo poo somebody because like everybody, like you, I mean, it's the salesman in me because you never know like where you're, you never know where your next deal is going to come from. Right. And like, I've always been a firm believer in like just being a, a good person, you know, like, I mean, networking to me is not as less about you as it is about everybody else, because it's just like their pers uh, perspective of you. And if you're somebody that they know is trustworthy, know, like, and trust, I've heard somebody say that also before, um, you know, if you're somebody that is like that, then they'll, they're going to want to have to do business with you. They're going to want to help you out whenever they can. Um, you know, so I don't know if it's necessarily like a picky thing. It's just a matter of like trying to make sure I keep the direction of the show going in the right, in the right direction. Yep. direction of the show going in the right direction and you know making sure that I just have like good people on so that like the people that listen consistently like you and me and whatever um <laughs> the only two people that probably listen to it but you know the, the people that do listen to it are expecting a certain caliber of of what right. what it is and um you know I think that I've done a pretty good job at putting together panels and one-on-one -on -one episodes that um give people like it's like educational from a real estate standpoint. And then we also, we don't just do real estate. Like every now and then I'll post a video on a Thursday. So we've had an Olympic athlete on, we had a woman that worked for the Philadelphia Phillies on, we did a health and fitness episode. We did a mental health episode. So like a lot of different things that, you know, just provide more value to people. So like maybe they want to tune in and listen to how, you know, Devin Harris went from like the slums of Jamaica to, you know, being a captain on the Olympic bobsled team, you know, yeah. I mean, like crazy story, but you know, there it is. And and his whole mantra of the keep on pushing thing and, and all that is just a good way for people to kind of, it goes beyond just sports or, you know, just general motivation. You could use that in business. You could use that in real estate. You can use that in anything. Um, and just being able to provide like that, I think is just, it's fun for me. And I just like, I just like to do it. So Mike, what is your mission? Oh my God. So I had put a lot of time and effort into figuring out what my mission is because you know we talked when we decided we were going to record this I you asked me what it is and I was like oh my god I don't I don't know because I never like really sat down and thought about it um so I think like my what I thought early on with the networking thing um I didn't really know how to network and the first couple events that I went to I was, it was like, you know, 200 people in a room and I just kind of like walked in. I was like, Oh my God. Like, I can't just like walk up to somebody. I don't know anybody here. And then like, I just, I happened to meet or not meet. I saw a guy that I grew up with at one of the events. And like, that was like the first time that I actually like went up to somebody. I was like, Oh, Hey Matt. And then we just started talking. And next thing I knew he introduced me to like one or two other people, then more events. I had other clients come in and then when I started uh, the next generation of New Jersey, I did it with the sole intention of, of making it as relaxed and as just personable as possible. It basically just like, I just scheduled a happy hour for people to come and just chat and like have some fun and get to know each other and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, like my thing, I guess my mission would be that I just want the, 
that the phrase this the right way. I think my mission would be that I want to make sure that people that are networking aren't just trying to give like what they think is the best version of themselves. Just give yourself. Cause be like, once you actually are like genuine and real and, you know, put yourself out there. And like, that's what I try to do with, with everything. That's why I do this, you know? And like, that's why I have this stupid hat on. And that's why, you know, the whole, the logo and the whole thing, because I just want people to like, know that this is me. And I'm just like out there, put myself out there as me. And like, that's how you get to know, like, and trust people because they know that you're just a genuine person and that you're there to help them. And I think from the other end too, it's just like, you know, trying to get that message across and, and, you know, uh, encourage people to um, just be themselves because that's like, that's what people want. Like you can, I mean, you know, you could spot somebody that's fake, like immediately, especially at a networking event. And because everybody's trying to like put on the charade and, and be that person and be pretend social and whatever. But like, nobody's really like that in real life. It's like, you know, when, when I think that you would agree, like we got to know each other a lot better over the course of the last seven, eight months, because we were just networking constantly. Right. And it went, I mean, you know, so like when you do have stuff that you want to be able to, you know, if you have business that you want to push towards people, those are the people that you're going to do it to, not the fake person that you got a business card from at, at one of those events. Absolutely. So I would, I would think my mission is to just make sh- everybody relax <laughs> about networking, you know, just you know, promote being, your, being yourself, being confident in yourself and just knowing that like, you know, what you have to offer is good and just mm-hmm. put yourself out there and, and just get to know people in a, in a positive, relaxed way. Right. And if I can also say thank you for referring business to me over the past several months. And I was also able to refer business to you. And I think that is due to the amount of time of authentic networking that we did and we're able to lean on each other because we had that connection, just the opportunity, the time and the person. Um, So I'm happy to refer all of the people I know in any industry that you need to be introduced to, because I know that they would be in good hands when they're talking to you or when they're at one of your networking events. So I think, um, your mission is is spot on because you're you're living your mission. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, like obviously, thank you for the stuff that you referred to me. And and it, but it's like what we said, you know, like you you're the epitome of like what I was just talking about. Like I think like you know we said it probably like I don't know. You still have your counter going. How many days into this pandemic are we? I lost count. You lost count? I thought you were counting every day. All right. So at one point it was like 170, 100, whatever. Yeah. It's way too many. And, um, you know, I think like you start to see, especially like in times of crisis, like, like what people are all about and, you know, like you stepped up to the plate and started putting together those networking events. Um, you know, at one point you were doing them every single day, which was ridiculous. Um, but I would go to them because what else was I going to do? And then you wisened up and went three days a week. But, um, you know, I think like, that's where you start to see like real, like, like how people really are. And, you know, like leaders kind of rise to those occasions, but, but it's not in a, it's not a fake way because you can't fake being a leader and putting yourself out there and, you know, giving people a platform like this or the uh, virtual events to talk about themselves or talk about, talk with other people. Um, You know, that's just like real stuff. Like you just like, you know, you put it together and you're like, here it is. If you like it, great. If you don't go away. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that the virtual networking groups, yours, mine, and others that we've been a part of 
um, you can easily see who's there authentically, just like you can when you're in a bar or yeah. a hall, right? And you have hundreds of people and you have to weed through it. And all of a sudden that, that used car salesman comes into your Zoom room or your Remo or one of yeah. those. And you're like, oh goodness, you know, yeah. and the whole vibe of the room changes because we all know why we're there. Right. Right. And yeah. that one person is just there. What's in it for me? Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, you, you, exactly. Because you see people that are, like if we're at like a Remo table together, like obviously it's gonna be a little different because we've known each other for a while. Um, and we might have people on there that, you know, we've known for, you know, a couple of years, even pre-pandemic, during the pandemic. But like, once you, like when you know you have like a good group of people, the conversation just kind of flows. Right. And then as soon as somebody comes in, you could almost like instantly read the vibe of that table or Zoom room or whatever. And you're just like, oh no, you know, now we're gonna have to go around the table and say what everybody does. And, blah, and obviously you need to do that because, yeah. you know, you need to know what people do so that you could actually refer them business. But like, right. it just, it, it's just like, you could feel it. And you just like, you're like, oh man, like we were going so good. Okay. Um, but you're right. I mean, like it's it, virtual in person, doesn't matter. You could spot that literally from a mile away. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I know that it's uncomfortable for people um, to do that sometimes. Like, I'm sure like when I first started, like I was similar to that because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And it wasn't until I just kind of like said, screw it. I'm just going to like lean into me. And it, you know, people, the people that I were, that I was real with, I just developed a faster relationship uh, than I would have if I was trying to put on like the, you know, the salesman hokey pitch. Right. And um, you know, I think that that's, it's well said for sure. Great. Um, and by the way, it's 232 days since the beginning of yeah. lockdown. Um, Makes me sick. Yeah, not not COVID sick, but just you know, <laughs> nauseous. Kind of days of yeah. wearing face masks and washing our hands every few hours. Right. Yeah. Um, Even if I don't go out and wash my hands, like oh, did I touch right. something that was outside at some point? Yeah. But I'm a big neck gator guy. I don't go with the mask. I like just popping it on and off. Yeah. Fun fact. That's Fun my fact that's my mission. <laughs> Awesome, Mike. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for being on my podcast for a change. Of course. For everyone out there, I will include all of Mike's information in the show notes. Make sure you click and subscribe so you get the episodes every single week. Let me know what you think. And thank you all for listening today. Have a great one. Reminder that all the thoughts, opinions, and expressions are exclusive to the person and not representative of any company, brand, or organization.